Today on the HowDoIRepent.org podcast, the importance of prayer, standing before the King. What what is the purpose of prayer, and what has prayer become? All today on the HowDoIRepent.org podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the HowDoIRepent.org podcast. As always, Dan, my great friend, brother, mentor. How are you, brother? Hey, I'm doing great. How you doing, Mike? Oh, I'm so good, man. I'm so excited. There are so many things happening uh, in, in around us in the world, so many positive things, so many opportunities, man. And I just, I love, you know, aligning myself and my family and, and with the kingdom of God and, you know, seeking the will of God, uh, trusting in the will of God and communicating with God. And that's really what we're jumping into today, right? We're hitting, we're hitting on a topic that I believe has been overlooked and is so powerful is the power of prayer. But I wanted to give a plug here. You need to stay tuned, listeners, because we're diving in with a great friend. And we're going to go back. Have you ever heard of Judeo-Christian values? What does that mean? Well, that our country was founded on these values, but we want to take it back even further. We go back to the founding fathers and what they were pursuing and what kind of faith they were pursuing and what they were building our entire country off of. It's going to be exciting. Make sure you stay tuned. And uh, we're going to go through some really great uh, subjects and topics and uh, questions and answers. So really a, a neat one. I'm so excited for that. But but Dan, I want to jump into prayer today. So let's talk about you know the importance of prayer and what that looks like in standing before the king, communicating with the king, the reverence for the king, you know, the purpose of prayer and what prayers become. Yeah, you, you know, let's look back in Chronicles. And actually, you can go back further, but just kind of thinking about it from this point, they they had, uh, you know, God was seen, he was presented as a king of Israel, and he ruled by the Torah. And in the end, you know, the people wanted to, actually pick you know they actually want to choose a king they said hey give us a king like you know all the other nations and so you know it just kind of went down that path and you know that's eventually what happened but but ultimately you know i think overall israel has always seen god as a king eventually uh you know we'll all be living in you know the kingdom of god where right. god is the king right right and, and ha well, having that that mindset, and even coming before the king to communicate, you know, having that reverence, having that awe, having that fear, what does that look like in prayer? Well, you know, when you when we go to pray, you know, we're bringing out this kind of this direction from looking at it from looking at God as a king. We actually have the ability to go make requests to the king, so we can go stand before the king. And for example, like if we were going to go before the president of the United States, that would be an awesome thing. And, you know, and we would, we'd get all prepared and get ready. And, and it, it would just be a different perspective if we looked at coming to God like that, like, Hey, we have the ability to come to the God of the universe, you know, that we can make our requests. Right. So I, I like how you put that. I like the example that you gave, because it really, it, it helps us understand you know, where we're at today, you know, you come before the president, before a leader, before a boss, you know, there is an attitude of reverence, of respect. Uh, you're preparing yourself, you get dressed up, you want to make sure that you're presenting in the right way. How does that pertain to the God of Israel? What is, what are the expectations when we come to the Lord in prayer? Jews actually pray, uh, it's a prayer called the Amidah, which is a standing prayer. 
and praying as if they're standing before the king. And Jesus, you know, Jesus even made a comment in Mark where he said, when you stand praying, you know, to ask forgiveness. Jews for years, for thousands of years have been praying this way. And so it's not like it's something new. It, it wasn't something that just was there at the time of Jesus. It was well before that. Right. It, it, something that's, that's kind of overlooked sometimes in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's making a statement when Jesus overcomes death, uh, when he's destroyed all dominion and authority and power, you know, over death. And Paul says, you know, he has to reign until he has put all the enemies under his feet. But he says when he does that, he's going to hand this world back to God. And God will ultimately be the king. He'll be, God will be all in all. You know, when we think about this, we're coming, you know, right now we're, we don't maybe not physically see God, but we need to understand that's, that's the perception that we need to have when we pray. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good, man. Cause I, uh, you know, and just kind of thinking back it, w- what I'm getting from this in the beginning of this, you know, this podcast and what you're saying is, you know, that there, that there is a need to, to come before the Lord as a king with reverence before the king. You know, ultimately that is, that is the, um, uh, the mindset and the, and the spiritual mindset that we need to have. God is king. He is all in all. Uh, we have to align ourselves with what the king desires, right? So in kind of leading down a small rabbit hole here, cause I, I, I really have, been learning this past week, you know, talking with people about the power of prayer, what prayer has become. Let's talk about what prayer has become. And then we can jump into, you know, what we've studied, what we've learned, what we've come to an understanding about. Um, and if I could just add just what I've seen and what I know that I've gone through my entire life is essentially taking the will of the king and making my prayers about my own will. How do we balance that out? You know, I, I know exactly what you're saying because when I started really coming to, uh, when I started growing in my prayer walk in, in this, my time with God and, you know, I started recognizing that, hey, a lot of prayers that I prayed in the past were very selfish. They are always about what I wanted. And, you know, and I, and I actually started digging into what Jesus said in Matthew six, uh, where he was talking about, he was teaching us how that we should pray. And, you know, in the Lord's Prayer. And I just want to kind of break this down because I, I thought That's this would go right along with what you're. Yeah. Yeah. Because he says, you know, to, you know, how should we pray? And he says, you know, first of all, you're, you're praying to the Father. So you're, you're, he says, you know, our Father in heaven. And then he's saying, you know, hallowed be thy name, which means, you know, that we should recognize the holiness of God's name. Right. We're declaring he, his that, holiness, right? Sanctified. Yeah. And that his name is sanctified. Yes. And, you know, his name is sanctified because we are doing his will. So when we're keeping his commandments, his name is sanctified. So if you just think about this opening statement, he's praying to God and saying, God, let me keep your commandments. Help me to keep your commandments. And I mean, that's the way that, that I've come to look at this because I'm saying, hallowed be thy name. You know, sanctified be thy name. You know, let your name be sanctified in my life, in my wife's life, in my family's life. What I'm eventually saying is, let us keep your commandments so that your name will be sanctified in this earth. Right. So it's nothing about me at this point. <laughs> and then, and then he goes on to say, and he says, give us today our daily bread. So this is talking about, 
Um, it, it actually, and I, I heard uh, a pastor say that this is talking about the bread of tomorrow. And he, he had a good teaching on this where we're praying for the bread of tomorrow, which we're praying for the messianic reign of Messiah. We're, yes. we're praying for yes. Jesus to come back. Let us get a taste of that. Well, because, like, so, how- it's, so it's not really, and I just kind of wanted to, to, uh, to add something and get your thoughts. So it's not necessarily praying for the sustenance and, and our needs, you know, the bread of tomorrow, one would, one would kind of relate that to, you know, give me all that I need to survive. We're, yeah. we're talking about the messianic era. We're talking yeah, about the bread of tomorrow, the sustained, you know, bread that, that brings eternal life. Um, the bread of life is, is that what you're, is that what you're yeah, talking about? I think that sounds yeah. really good. Yeah, Jesus even said we don't have to pray for what he knows we need. I mean, he's even feeding the sparrows. I mean, we, we right. he's going to take care of us. Right. I, right. I mean, and I know some people will say, well, no, we do need to pray for that. Okay, well, that's fine. Yeah, I, that's I'm fine. just saying yeah. in this situation, he's saying pray for the bread of tomorrow. Which So you know how Jesus turned the water into wine. Well, there's there's a prophecy about how the king will turn, you know, will make wine abundant where it's everybody can drink it. So that that was kind of a taste of the messianic kingdom mm-hmm. and you know jesus even said hey it's not my time you know it's it's not time for that yet but i'll go ahead and do it <laughs> yeah you know, i'll, I'll give it, you a little it, taste yeah and it, the 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 blind the eyes of the blind are going to be open well that's in the messianic kingdom well jesus gave us a big taste of all this so so he's saying you know give us he's like god let us let us taste that right now let us let us oh, get a little so bitty piece of that that's so good i like yeah it's so and so we're, and that's really God's will too, because He wants that to come. So we're, we, we start aligning ourselves. But, you know, and then, you know, kind of back to a minute ago, I was saying that Jesus said, when you go pray, when you stand and pray to make sure to ask forgiveness. And that, and Jesus is saying it here again. He's saying, you know, forgive me as I forgive others. And so it's a, it's a, it's a measure for measure situation. Mm-hmm. If I forgive, then God's going to forgive. Sure. And Jesus even says, but, you know, if you don't forgive, your father's not going to forgive. Yes. So he's given us an instruction here not to pray selfishly, but to pray we that our life that our life will line up with God's will. I mean, that's, right. that's the right. way that I I mean, at a high level, that's that's really what it is. I, sure. I'm saying, God, let your will be done and help me to for, walk in forgiveness. So really, really leading up to this point, you're, you're declaring the reverence, the, or you're coming with a heart of reverence. You're declaring the holiness of God. And you're saying essentially, God, make my will like your will. Align right. myself with your will. You know, and right. going through this whole process of learning and understanding, you know, learning the commandments, learning Torah, learning the truth, you know, you're adapting your prayer life to this. And really you start to see, uh, God's will and you're praying the will of God. It, it's an, it's an incredible poetic kind of, uh, forward movement that, uh, that really does start to, things start to happen. Um, but you know, you know, Dan, you're saying about, you know, the bread of tomorrow and, you know, give us what we need. So going back to the, I need a, I need a brand new shiny Ferrari. I need a, uh, I need $20,000 by tomorrow, you know, really you're starting out with the right mentality. Is it something that is really going to grow you closer and to know the king at a, at a deeper level? Or is it something that's ultimately going to tear you away? Right. So yeah. God's will answered prayers and unanswered prayers. You have to look back and say, you know, what am I praying? How am I praying? What motivations? What, what am I doing? And we're not giving a formula 
that is not biblical, you talk about the Lord's Prayer, Jesus was showing us the formula and how to come to the Father, how to pray, uh, and how to petition the King. I think the way we should look at this is look at Abraham. Abraham knew that there was a kingdom coming. He came to understand God's will because God made a covenant with him and said, Hey, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a people, you know, I'm going to make a covenant with, with you and your children after you. And so God was making a promise, which was God's will. And in order to do that, God had to give Abraham certain tools. One thing that he needed was land because <laughs> if he gives them a people, well, he's got to have a land to put that people. So, so God gave is giving Abraham the land of Israel and he promises it to him. As you go through this line of thinking here and look at David, David's promised a king kingdom or, you know, him, him and his line to be king. And so God's will is that there needs to be a king in this world and that rules, which we know is Jesus. And Paul even said that Jesus is going to reign here until he overcomes death, but then he's going to eventually hand it back to God. Right. So, so in order for that to happen, God had to give David a son and a throne. And so what, I, what I'm getting at is they, there, there are a lot of benefits with the tools that God gives us to fulfill his will, but we can't be focused on the benefits of it. We need to just focus on what the tools are that we need to fulfill God's will. And a lot of times that takes many years. And, and a lot of times you look at these situations, it wasn't even in their lifetime. Right. You know, so if, if God's will in our life is to fulfill, if we have a purpose and we start thinking like, Oh, Hey, this is going to happen next year or this is going to happen you know, whenever it, it's really not up to us. It's, sure. and, and James even says, you know, Hey, if you start thinking like, Hey, I'm going to be this way next year or whatever, then it's, it's not right. So it's something that I've had to learn multiple times in my life. Right. I go through this, I get all excited because God's moving. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And you know, and then it's like, uh, well, three years later, yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> where are you? But, God? <laughs> but, but the thing is, but I look at the growth. And, and so what I've, as I've learned in, in my prayer, and this is me personally, is I have to, and, you know, thank, thank God for my wife because she helps tremendously in this is to kind of settle me down and say, well, we don't know. And that's the reality. We could see things working, but I, I think ultimately in my life is that I've come to think, okay, it may not happen in my generation. Hmm. And that's fine. And I just need to continue on with what I'm doing. And, you know, being in this direction, I, I'm very thankful and I've, I've learned, um, you know, more that, hey, it's God's will, not my will. Right. And so essentially, you know, changing your perspective, changing your motivations, changing your intent uh, of what you're praying. You know, I, I hear you saying, and I, and I believe it's really great because I look in my own life, you know, really at the beginning came from a place of selfishness. Lord, this is what I want to see happen. This is what I see happening. And sure, he can change it in a, in a blink of an eye. Uh, we can change course in the blink of an eye. So really, you know, as as you're talking through this and I'm hearing it that, you know, you really did and you have been growing in your prayer life, your perspective and your motivations have changed. I know for myself, it's the same way. I no longer, you know, look at what what I believe I need and start to pray in that way. I'm taking the stance where I am trying to learn and understand and draw, uh, you know, grow a deeper relationship with God. And then that perspective and motivation changes 
And ultimately, you are communicating now with the king. So God gave us a way for this communication between us and him. And in what he did, he established appointed times for us to come to him. And this was a, it was a specific time that God said, Hey, you can come to me and we'll communicate. And, and so there in Leviticus 23, it, it, it talks about these times and before it actually get, and it starts with the Sabbath. And actually before it talks about the Sabbath, it talks about these sacrifices and the sacrifices are a korban. So that we call we call it, you know, we've translated it to the word sacrifice, but it really is korban, which means to draw near to God. It means to draw near. So these sacrifices that are going on daily in the temple are times that that they could come and draw close to God. Now that there's no temple, they can't do sacrifices. So what the rabbis say, what they teach is that our prayers are are sub are they're substituting for this. If you if you think about this and just talk about this line of communication, God is giving us a direct line of communication, uh, you know, a few times a day. And there's, you know, if you look back through history, we can go back to the time of Ezra. Really, I mean, the children of Israel are taken into captivity in Babylon. They come out of Babylon, and Ezra was very instrumental in trying to bring everything back together. Uh, which he, he, the work that he did led back to the rebuilding of the temple. Um, he, he actually gathered all the people together to, to get them to read the, the Torah reading every week. Uh, there's a daily reading that goes on today. It could be tracked all the way back to that. Um, he, he, he led all the Jews into embracing the Sabbath and all the festivals. And the thing he did was he established what they call a great assembly, which they were responsible for, um, forming these prayers that are used and and they prayed three times a day and you can even look before the time of ezra like even in daniel 6 it says that daniel prayed three times a day in Psalms, you know david said i i pray three times a day so praying three times a day was already well established before you know from a long time ago so there's a prayer in the morning there's a prayer in the noon or in in the you know in the afternoon there's a prayer before evening and even in acts it talks about them praying these three times a day and and we have this we have this communication this line of communication that we, we can come every day you know just a little side note on something i have in the blog is that there's a tradition that paul and and peter actually wrote the prayer books that's used by many jews today to pray on Yom Kippur and on Rosh Hashanah. So the, the mindset of, you know, that Jesus came in and started a revolution, he was rebellious against the law, and, you know, we've, we've kind of passed that. But, you know, really, when I hear teaching on this, it goes back to, well, Paul was Paul was kind of in that way, too. You know, he's reforming and he's helping with this kind of uh, movement to do away with all of that stuff and come with something new. You know, but what you're saying is, is the disciples, the apostles, they actually continued uh what god had instituted even to abraham you know that that yeah. this is a continuous does not move you know not one jot not one tittle not one iota is going to be removed or taken away from this process uh until the end or you know god knows what's going to happen at the end well how do you can i can i just uh kind of ask you a question you know i hear it said and i know it will be said 
um, you know, entering the, the the throne room boldly. You know, when Jesus died and the and the veil was torn, and now we can march in there boldly into the throne room is applied to communication and prayer as well. I mean, I, I for one, I don't know if I'd try and barge into the White House or barge into you know the presence of God and say, you know, I need give me this is what I you know God you know this is what I want you to do for me. So, you know, what is, can we just kind of jump into that just for a second, you know, entering the, the throne room boldly? Um, and my, my understanding of what I've came to learn is there is a protocol that we have to follow to go into that throne. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that the word bold, Dan, and you know, I may be wrong, but it's more of a, if I knew the president of the United States and I walked up and I knocked on the door and he's been my best friend growing up and I know him and he knows me that there's, there's a, there's a, a um, uh, kind of a relief and tension. There's a, you know, coming before the boss or, you know, whatever. Yeah. You have this kind of, uh, you know, relationship clout that you've built up over these years that it that it alleviates the stress and the anxiety and the fear. And, you know, there's a reverent fear, but I'm talking about, the you know, the fear that we shouldn't have. Um, so that's kind of what I think with boldness. Yeah. And, and I think you can look at Moses' life. It says he was the most humble man and but when you go to really dig into that and you look at even a lot of what the commentaries say on that, Moses was humble because he was all about God's will. So if, if I'm all, you know, he was always looking out for God's will more than his. And that's why he was said that he was the most humble man. Okay. It, Jesus was the same way. It wasn't about his will. Okay. In that situation, when your life, when you grow into that point where your life is not about your will, which and I can tell you right now, there's a lot of times in my life, my, my life still valuable, and it's just a, it's a we're living here, and I want things, and you know, and I'm trying to I'm trying to get my way through life. And in the repentance process is where you're letting go of that, and you're saying, okay, no, now my life is all about God's will. You know, if you get to that point, then you know, you think about this: if you're standing before the throne of God, and your whole petition is about God and His will. I'm thinking along this line that I could be pretty bold in saying, hey, God, I, I know this is your will. And you could look at Moses. and Well, look at that's what I was going to go to. Yeah, you can look at Moses and be like, he petitioned God, you know, so many times and, and is trying to, uh, you know, change God's mind and, you know, all these things. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty bold back then. I mean, look, Jesus wasn't in there yet. And he goes, and God's like, hey, I'm going to wipe out these people and start over. And he's like, no, listen, if you're going to do that, you get rid of me. I mean, that was pretty bold. That was now, pretty bold. He didn't. He didn't have Jesus. It could be said that he knew Jesus was coming, because he knew. Because he even said, "Hey, look for somebody who's just like me, mm-hmm. another prophet." Mm-hmm. And you know, and that's like there's many places throughout the the Bible it talks about. I mean, even the Samaritan woman saying, "Hey, are you the prophet?" You talked. You know, they talked about. You know, and even you know, I think through later on in the uh, you know through the New Testament that they're referring to this. But so Moses probably knew that there was Jesus, but I'm just making a point here that he was, he was bold in what he said because he knew God's will. Right. And he right. knew that God wanted him to take this people and make them into a nation. And so he's in that point. So when I think about that scripture, we can come boldly before the throne of, of you know, of grace of mercy and, mm-hmm. and we can come to God. Mm-hmm. It's because, because we know his will and we are moving forward in that. And our life is I, about I, that. You know, what does God expect of us? What what do we learn? What do we take away from this? What are some, some good practical steps that we can engage in 
you know, in saying, you know, I've learned how to grow in prayer. Does, does that mean we just package it in a different way or do we apply scripture? Do we apply, is there, is there a consolidated, like, you know, you were talking about the Amidah earlier. So is there, you know, we're learning this through thousands of years of history um, that this is how we are supposed to pray. So before the time of Jesus, there was a order of prayer and it was memorized, uh, you know, through daily practice. And uh, when we talk about an order, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a structure to the prayer. About 500 years ago, they actually started writing this down. So before that time, it was just something that was memorized. It started becoming something structured around with the Great Assembly, which was put in place by Ezra. What it's doing, it's it's kind of getting your mindset that you're coming and walking before the king. You're going into the temple. So everything that's going on in the temple, that you're, you're reading through this, you're seeing this. And a lot of it is scriptures that are, that are, is walking you, this outline is walking you through this. So you're walking in the temple and then you're going to stand before God. The first part of this, you have three blessings, which is a blessing over the covenant that God made. There's a, there's praise for the miracles and resurrection. There's praise for the holiness of God's name. And then there's prayers. There's requests for discernment, for repentance, for forgiveness for redemption, for healing, uh, for the harvest, uh, for gathering all the exiles. There's a prayer for justice. There's a prayer for uh, punishment for the wicked. There's a prayer for the righteous. There's a prayer for rebuilding Jerusalem. There's a prayer for restoring the Davidic king, you know, the return of Yeshua. There's a prayer uh, for acceptance. And then there's thanksgiving for the temple service that God put in place. There's thanksgiving for God's goodness. There's thanksgiving for peace. These, This is an outline that's been used. It's called the Amidah. And so when when Jesus made the statement, when you're standing praying, he's referring to this prayer. And it's not that long of a prayer. I mean, actually, it's a very beautiful prayer. Um, you know, it is very a- beautiful, Dan. I, you know, in going through it myself, it and, you know, the idea of we need to break away and kind of uh, make make our own way. And, you know, that that is exactly what we need to be considering, you know, and when I look at this and they say, well, that's. You know, I've heard it said, and I've actually thought it in the very beginning. Well, that that's really uh, yeah, kind of stoic. And but you're right; it is very poetic. It's very beautiful. You're praying scripture. You're doing it with the right intent. And then all of a sudden, it it creates a discipline in your life. You know, knowing that I could do this, I get the opportunity to communicate with God. You know, three times a day, and and I go down through this, and it doesn't. It's not a stoic uh, time. It's a connecting time. And it feels incredible. It feels refreshing, but it also feels like I've actually communicated with God and he's hearing my prayer. So, you know, going back through, I have to put a plug in for this book, um, First Steps in Messianic Jewish Prayer by Aaron Eby. Uh, you know, it, it helped me so much. You know, talks about the Amidon, talks about the Lord's Prayer, gives you an, an understanding before you step into that realm of how am I supposed to pray? What does it look like? And all of the sudden, my heart, my spirit, my desires start to align with exactly what Jesus meant when, like you said, he said, while you're standing, you know, and how he prayed. It, it's just a very personal experience. And I'm aligning myself with not only the will of Jesus Christ, but the will of God. And it really does become personal. And it's enlightening and poetic, just like you said. You know, the the first three blessings are, you don't really change those. 
and the last three, um, the last three, you know, prayers of Thanksgiving, you, you don't change those, but everything else in between, it's like you're praying for discernment for something. You're praying for repentance, you know, to God for right, you're adding you. in your personal touch, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're praying the blanks, you're, essentially. You're praying for redemption, you know, for, for you and your family, your, your kids, praying for healing for people in your life. You're praying for a harvest, for blessing to come in, you know, for, for God's will to be done in your life. You know, I'm praying for the tools that I need to do God's will. You know, it's right. Just, and I love, it, you know, what, what you were saying, you know, and adding in those, and I'm, and I'm looking at my book right now is you go down towards uh, the healing, you know, prayer for healing, bring about complete healing for all of our ailments. And then right behind that, I start to petition the Lord for people in my life that I sold, that I told them I'd pray for them. And it really comes with this, this heart of connection, knowing that God is listening. And then uh, Dan, you know, when we first, when I first started this, you taught me, you know, the, the prayer for acceptance and it talks about, you know, here are prayers and that's my time to, as I'm aligning myself with the will of God, kind of put in these things that I'm concerned about and working through. And it, you're right. You know, you read through it just as you're reading through a book. That's, that's the wrong intention. But if you really come at this with a heart of uh, desire to speak with the king and preparing yourself, it really does affect and impact your life, does it not? It really does start to form your character outside of these prayers and studying and learning and understanding. And now, you're you're coming along and you're living a righteous life. You're you're living holy. The Bible said, "Be holy, for I am holy." So now we have that opportunity. What does it look like to live holy? Well, you know, that's what we've been studying and working through this entire podcast series. You know, if yeah. he gave us that directive, he said, "Be holy." Just because you have Jesus Christ in your life does not automatically guarantee your holiness. You can't go out and just continue to do all the things, and I can't, that I wanted to do, that I wanted my sinful nature engages in. We really are realigning, shifting perspective, and coming under the authority of the king. And I think that's really beautiful. My family's impacted. My my wife, I am impacted. Everybody around me. And it really does start to create a ripple effect that does have impact in this world. And, you know, living a holy life means separated. If you look at holiness in the Bible and you start really looking down this path of what is holy, it really means there's limitations. You know, like if a people were more holy, like the, the Levites or the priests, they're, there's, they're more limited in what they can do. There's more separation. You know, there's levels of holiness in the temple. There's levels of holiness in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, you know, going up to the Temple Mount. It's like holiness means I'm separated. So if, if we want to be holy, it means we're separating ourselves. And that's one of the things with this, with this prayer. There's three times a day that we can come to the king and we can separate ourselves from what's going on. So we wake up in the morning, we can do this and then the afternoon and the evening. You know, when, when I started down this path, I remember I was like, you know, I'm going to take one year and I'm going to just, I'm going to try to pray every morning. And, you know, and I, and I worked through that and then I got to where I was, I was praying every morning and, you know, I started doing the Amidah and I was doing the Lord's prayer and it was very simple. And, um, but it, it brought me to this routine of just really connecting with God. And then I know the next year I was like, Hey, I'm going to start doing it in the evening before I go to bed. And, you know, next thing you know, and I look back and I was like, man, that year went by quick. 
And I was like, hey, this is not hard at all. So I was starting to do it in the afternoon. I was like, you know, I'm just going to add a Lord Prayer in the afternoon. I'm going to start. And this was like over a three-year period of time. And I remember I couldn't always remember the afternoon because I was working. So I put this uh, alarm on my watch. <laughs> and I was like, okay, every day. And I set it for like 3 o'clock. And I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And, you know, and there was times I made it and didn't. And then, you know, but after the third year, I just got so serious. And I, what happened, I built this routine of this prayer. And I started just realizing my whole life was changing after this period of time. And, you know, in, in a part of the new covenant and something we always forget is the new covenant, God saying, I'm going to change your heart and make you want to serve me. And the biggest thing that I realized out of that three years was I really wanted to pray. And it was like God was changing my heart. Wow. And yeah. that, that to me, that was kind of the miracle that was going on. And I thought, you know, wow, I, I'm really seeing this new covenant take place in my life in this area. And that's and one piece amazing. of your life, right? One piece of the structure that God is changing. Yeah. The other one, you know, you're going through and, and observing commandments. You're understanding the rule of, of God's law. You're going through and, you know, you're you're going through the repentance journey where you are changing things about yourself. So you really are, uh, you know, being a disciple, becoming a disciple. You're also, um, you know, engaging that flesh and you're you're shifting it to 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 be holy. And that, right. you know, when when I talk, you know, talk to folks and, you know, how do I live a holy life? Well, without this understanding, I would argue I, I wouldn't really know personally, how, how do I live a holy life? I'm doing good things and I'm, it's kind of kissed with the essence of I've accepted Jesus as my savior. But then again, is it really holy living if you're not abiding by the mandates that were set out? And I know mandates is a strong word, but really the directive of the king. Um, so Dan, what times do we pray? When, when do we, and, and I want to just add the caveat, there's no harm in speaking to God in between these times. You know, this could be a, an ongoing daily conversation because I've gotten things during the course of the day and I've spoken with God during the course of the day. But what are these appointed times? What, when can we schedule? I want to set my watch because I want to do that. I think, it, you know, we chuckled, but I think it's a great discipline to enact. What happens is the world is running on a cycle. If If you think about this, there's the first three hours of the morning when the sun comes up. So let's just say the sun rises at seven o'clock where you live. So those first three hours, seven, eight, nine, ten. So anytime before 10 o'clock, you're, you're basically praying in the morning. You know, the friends and the things that I've learned is that it's best if you're by yourself to pray before the sun comes up. Um, so that's what I try to do. I don't do that every day. There's sometimes I'll sleep in until seven 30 or eight, <laughs> you know, but, I, but I, I seriously try to wake up early so that I can pray. And a lot of times I like reading before I pray. So I'm not always praying before the sun comes up. The, as the time, if you think about the clock, if, if the sun comes up at seven, well, you've got this 12 hours from seven to seven, like in the scripture it talks about the ninth hour. Well, you're talking about the ninth hour from the time that the sun rose up. So by four o'clock. You know, you're looking three to four. So that's why I set mine, you know, because when I was saying I set my alarm at three, because the, the clock was coming up at six. And so I was just kind of hitting that time. I know there are communities that will, there's people that will pray right before the sun goes down. And, and the reason is because the ashes were smoldering and our prayers are like smoldering before. They're like, they're incense that's raising up. You pray after the sun goes down. So after sunset, 
then you're praying before you go to bed. In time of sacrifice with, yeah. with Jewish people, we're aligning ourselves with temple service, essentially. Yeah, that's exactly what yeah, so I was saying. You're, you're aligning yourself with the temple service that's going on. It just becomes a routine. I mean, if somebody's not doing this, it sounds like a lot. I, I understand when, like, when I first started looking at this, I was like, oh, man, that, you know, that's why I just kind of personally said, you know, I'm just going to pray in the morning. And it was just a simple, you know, 10-minute prayer. And I started doing that. And, um, you know, because it's, it, it really, we're, we're, we're humans and, you know, we have everything going on and it's like, we have to become disciplined at something. But the neat thing about this is like in my life, I know as I was drawing closer to God, he was changing my inside. He was changing my heart yeah. to where, where I really wanted him. And, and so it's just become a part of my life now is, I mean, I, I literally, I, I try to plan things around. Like if, uh, you know, last night I had to go somewhere and I got called into something and it was an hour before the sun went down and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, well, we're all, we're in the car on the way somewhere. And well, I, I opened up my app and I just prayed to Ami Dada and I was like praying to God sitting down. Um, and I was just, it was just, I was like praying and I was just, I was just asking God for, you know, cause I, I want to make sure that I'm praying his will be done. Right. And it's just something, it's not, I'm not saying anything special about me or anything. It's just my life has become a routine of that. And I'm really wanting God's will. And I'm like, and I think about this, like, Hey, I get the opportunity to make these petitions for God's will. Because I think about standing in front of Jesus one day and him saying, okay, what did you do to help bring me here? Because we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Right. And, and so it's about standing in front of him. And it says we're going to give an account for every idle word. And when I think that's a very powerful, I mean, that was a very powerful statement that Jesus said. And it hits, I, I think about it often. I'm like, you know, I'm not perfect. I, I, we, we all have our issues and we're always working on something and which is fine. One thing I, I want to be that I want to really perfect in this life. It's my time with God. And I want to be, I, I want to be there to help bring the kingdom. Right. And if my prayers are going to help do that, I mean, think, there's one other side of this is really powerful. Jesus said to pray that God's will be done. Well, that's implying that his will is not always done. That is a very hard thing to comprehend because I grew up thinking God's will is always done and it doesn't matter. But Jesus said to pray that his will be done. And and we are a part of doing his will. That's a great point. Yeah. Wow. Let that sink in for a second. You know, we're praying for God's will to be done. We are agents in this world to accomplish the will of God. We're co-creators, you know, and really we have to be able to humble ourselves and say, and you know what? I might not have it right in all of these areas. It's worth taking a step in this direction, empowering your prayer life. I know I'm not, I don't want to get into it too much, but a lot of books that come down the pike that try to manipulate prayers into prayers that are self-serving and self-seeking. But really, when you go back to the source and what it was created for, you find out that you are, in fact, learning how to pray the will of God. And you know what the, the Bible says in Matthew six thirty three to seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. Things that I thought that I needed. And really it comes down to, you know, give me what I need. Well, I would rather now transform that into allow me to accomplish your will, teach me your will and help me to align my life with your will. And really, I like what you said, you know, even the sparrows are taken care of. So let's get out of the mindset of, 
you know, God, what I believe that I need uh, and start to move with the king and say, God, how do I accomplish your will in my life? And how do, how do I restructure my will in my own life? And, and see how God responds. You know, I, I did, I implemented this to a couple of different people, uh, this thought of, and really it, it is, like you said, it's a difficult lump to swallow because you're saying, oh, wait a second, I, I have to now just kind of go through this, this ordered, you know, it's supposed to be personal. Well, that's just it, is that you, you can engage it personally. So Dan, you know, in closing thoughts, you know, do, do you feel as though, even though you're going through the Amidah, the Shema, you're, you're praying these things, how, do, do you feel as though it's personal? Oh, 100%. Because, you know, your story, and the thing I love about the Amidah is that there's always something new every day that I need. And so what I'm doing, I'm, I'm using this outline to pray that. And there are times that I'll pray and, you know, it may just be like a routine prayer. Well, before I was ever using the Amidah, I had routine prayers all the time. I remember I, I thought there was a time in my life where I, as long as I listened to a Christian radio station and I'm, I'm asking God to help somebody, I'm okay. I'm, I'm yeah, doing all right. Yeah. That was, that was my life. You know, and then all of a sudden, and there was one time I was praying the Amidah, and I'm like, you know, is this kind of like I'm just praying the same thing? And I got thinking about that, like, no, I mean, this puts a little bit more structure because it's actually given me, it's given me an outline that I should pray for others. And it really hit me at that mm. moment in my life, like, prayer is not about me. It, wow. that, and and, wow. I, and it just, it was such a strong revelation. I was like, man, I've spent my whole life just praying for me you know, really for my desire. And I'm like, that is, that's kind of sad. It's okay to pray for things that we need, but our, our main focus is on the kingdom. And, you know, that and, is so good. and my closing thought is just, you know, really last, last week we did a podcast about understanding the kingdom of God. We were talking about through the details of the temple of God. Well, the, the prayer is all about this temple service that's going on. I honestly believe Right now, we're practicing as if we are in the kingdom, you know, because one day, just like right now, you know, going through the, you know, doing the Sabbath or doing the festivals and going through this time, we're rehearsing what's right, to we're, come. we're preparing for Coronation Day, right? Yeah. And, and you know, and there's, I believe there's going to be a time where we get to come to the king and, you know, and we'll make requests. I, and it's just, it's so awesome to think about one day we're going to be doing a job in eternity. And, you know, we got, we have this whole, we have this time right now that's preparing us for that. Right. And so you, we should think, so that's what I think about when I'm praying a lot of times I'm praying for the kingdom. And then my thought, you know, sometimes we'll be thinking like that, like, man, you know, one day we'll be in the kingdom. Right. <laughs> your, kingdom come, your kingdom your yeah. kingdom come, your will be done is, is exactly yeah. how Jesus taught us how to pray and, and forgive us of our debts. And, and, uh, you know, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever uh, is such a great model. And if he's modeling here, you know, he's given us also another model. And you talk about the Amidah, we talk about, you know, the prayers that we've just kind of gone through. And I really encourage you, um, you know, you're a family now. So I encourage you, family, you know, as we grow closer to God, um, that we we consider the the simple fact that God has given us 
a really incredible outline. And I love the, the idea of the outline where you are merging your life with the will of God. And it really does create a beautiful poetic engagement with the creator. Dan, I really, this has been really profound for me. Uh, it's been something that I've been, uh, you know, I, I got to be transparent, something that I've been in a new season of life, you know, battling through and getting back to, um, you know, where I, I can't sit on here and say that I am the picture of getting this right, but I am striving to, and, uh, and I'm taking those steps, but with what you were saying is really been impactful. So I hope, you know, you, you, as the listener, you know, you take this as a, as a word of love and a word of truth that it's not, it's not about, you know, creating a stoic society and, you know, trying to, uh, tell people, uh, you're doing it wrong. That's not it at all. It's that we need to consider that God has his ways and we are preparing for a kingdom that all of these ways will be implemented. This will be the constitution for the kingdom. So why not start preparing now? I encourage you, go out and get this book, you know, First Steps in Messianic Jewish Prayer. Um, Rabbi Teach Us to Pray. Uh, Aaron Eby is a great author, has helped me uh, through this process, as well as my great friend, mentor, brother, uh, Dan. And uh been a really great podcast today, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it was great, Mike. I, I really appreciate you and appreciate taking the time to do this. And this has been really, really a blessing. Thank you. Praise God. Well, we love you guys. And as always, have an incredible, incredible week. Grow in love. Grow in mercy. Repent um, and, and take this journey of holiness. We are disciples, and that was our mandate, is to go out and teach others this truth. So... Until next time, this is the howdoireppent.org podcast.